Flight 229, you're clear for takeoff. Just like a flight plan, you have to know where you're going and how you will get there when you plan for retirement. Let Ryan Fleming help you chart out a course for your retirement with his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor. Welcome once again to the Pilot's Advisor. This is Ryan recording today from Paris, France. And we have the infamous Lee Heider, the mouth of the south, as I would say, except it's the mouth of the north there by Sandusky, Ohio, living on Lake Erie. Uh, great mentor of mine, financial advisor, helping those in Akron, Ohio. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you. And by the way, we have a Paris, Ohio. I don't think we have an Eiffel Tower but I did see last time I was going through town a water tower. I think I've actually driven through Paris, Ohio. If you guys don't know, I am from Ohio originally. And isn't that like farm country? It is. But I just wanted to just kind of be sure that all the listeners know that you're not the only cool person that gets to travel to exotic places. I mean, I'm in Sandusky, Ohio, the home of Cedar Point, which is the world's number one roller coaster park. And I'm going to let the listeners know that, yes, even at 64 years of age, I still run through the park like a teenager trying to get the front car of any roller coaster, which, by the way, won't even open up until July 19th, but I will be one of the first people in line. Well, I'm just still stuck on you uh, running through the uh, park. I grew up going to Cedar Point, and I've been to Disney. I've been to you know Six Flags and all these other major parks, Cedar Point, or not Cedar Point, but uh, what is it called in Cincinnati now, the one outside of Cincinnati? Uh, Kings, Kings Island, right? Yeah, Paramount Kings Island. I can attest to this. Cedar Point is probably the top park I've ever been to, right on well, the banks of Lake Erie. Well, not only you can attest to it, but there is actually a publication called Roller Coaster Aficionado. And for the past 19 years, they actually have rated Cedar Point as the number one, not necessarily amusement park, but the number one roller coaster park in the world. Well, speaking of roller coasters, that was a great intro to how the uh, market has been for 2020. Hey, I got something else. Speaking of roller coasters, let's put roller coasters to the side for a minute. I don't know about um, your listeners, but I am always fascinated when I go through an airport and I see those good looking uh, pilots, you know, all dressed to the, to the nine, carrying those big bags with their maps and charts and probably a ham sandwich or anything else. But all joking aside, I'm sure all of your listeners know that you are a pilot and I'm kind of fascinated with it. And I ask you to share with me for a minute, maybe one, one or two examples of a flight that you were on that maybe started out like a routine flight, but actually maybe some way between point A and point B, you kind of got a little scared. Would you share an example maybe with us? <laughs> Putting or, me on or, the spot. Or, 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 or are you going to tell? Or are you going to tell me that that you never get scared behind the controls? Well, for, of course I never get scared, and then of course I'm laughing at you, uh, not only putting me on the spot on our podcast here, but also that uh, I don't. I'm not sure I fall under one of those good-looking pilots that you're talking about. Which that's pretty funny. Um, well, I, would, I would I would agree with that for sure. Okay. <laughs> and I try not to walk through the airports. Me being a cargo guy, the more I can avoid a real airport, the better it is. But there you go. Um, I will, I will play your game, but I'm not going to give you details on this, maybe for another show, but, uh, last year, maybe it's been about a year and a half ago now, and this did not happen at FedEx, but I was flying a counter drug mission for the United States air force, um, off the coast of central America. And we actually had a wing fire. And so if you want to talk about being scared, 
that that's one of those ones where if you don't get on the ground and they say 12 minutes, you're probably dead. And uh, thankfully, we were able to uh, handle the emergency appropriately. And the fire actually went out and we were able to land safely. Um, we won Air Crew of the Year for our, our efforts there. But we got to see how people react to stressful situations. And I wish I had said the F word uh, about 10 times less than I actually did over the radio. Did you, uh, did you actually see the flames, I mean, on the wing? Uh, no, uh, you can't really see the wing, but when you start having different systems within a, a, an airplane start shutting down and none of them are actually related, um, there's actually verbiage in a lot of our manuals that talk about that it's probably a wing fire. And okay. we, had, we had some of those issues going on. So without getting into further detail, yes, it was very concerning. Cool. Let, let, let me give you a, another easy pitch. So how would you transition the panic that you felt at that particular time and the discipline that you had to really go through at that moment? You were probably reading the books and charts and what have you. And maybe the financial experience we all just went through over the past 90 days with the market collapsing and maybe some of the panic some of you know, your clients went through. You know, that's why I love talking to you, Lee, is because you have an amazing, eloquent way of, of bringing two things together and, and making it real for people. So what you probably just did is made it very real for the, uh, you know, somebody that was piloting an airplane and they can understand that versus what the market has been doing. And, and I guess what, what I would say from what you brought up, it, it shows the importance of training and discipline. And I would bring that back to handling these financial markets with something you're very good at doing with your clients is educating them, training them and, and talking about, you know, when not to panic and how to stay disciplined with your portfolio, et cetera. And if you don't have that training or you don't have that continuous education, you might make a poor decision and maybe not survive. So let me ask you this, as, as you're kind of going through your checklist, you know, behind the yoke of the plane, you know, determining what you need to do and how much time you have and what you should not do. What are some of the kind of what you would call maybe financial checklists that somebody should go through when, uh, you know, their world is going through a little bit of turbulence? Well, sadly, when I think about the financial markets, you know, when there's a lot of turbulence in the market, in a lot of cases, that's when you shouldn't really do anything. You need to, to not panic. And as we call on the airline world is you, when you have an emergency, you hack the clock and it gets you to take a deep breath, um, maintain aircraft control, you know, analyze the situation and then take appropriate action. And I think that that actually holds true for the investment world too, is you need to hack the clock. You need to take a deep breath. You right. need to, to maintain control of yourself and not make any stupid, quick, emotional decisions. Yeah. And so for the first three steps of that checklist is just kind of taking a step back, you know, and, and analyzing the whole situation. Going forward from there, as the volatile times that we've had, I think you could kind of jump in here and help me with the different checklist items. You know, one, one of the things that, that I try to get clients and, and people I talk to and when I write, you know, in newspaper articles or books, that I try to get a message across, which is, you know, your portfolio may go down 10, 15, may, maybe even 35%, you know, due to what's happening in the economy. And I think the knee-jerk reaction that a lot of people make, which is a mistake, is they think just because their portfolio went down, they think there's actually something a matter with their portfolio, and they feel that they need to make an immediate adjustment. And quite often, uh, what, what people really need to understand when you design a portfolio, a good portfolio is designed for two basic factors. Number one, how will this portfolio perform when all things are working well? So you know the 
approximate upward amount of return you should expect in a good market. But there really should not be a surprise how much your portfolio could go down in a bad market. And when it does, it doesn't mean the portfolio is broken or you need to make a change. It's living within its variance. And that's a very important lesson for people to take because quite often people think that just because leaves fall off your tree in the winter, you should cut the tree down. Well, your tree's going through a season and portfolios go through a season as well. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, the, the volatility in the market is actually what, what gives us the return. So if we didn't have the up and down of the market and if investing was, hey, I just put my money in and everything's going to be rosy, everybody wins, um, that, you know, that's not the way it works. Investing takes risk. And I understand what you're discussing is talking about, you know, a standard deviation and, you know, what percentage you can expect from a engineer portfolio to, you know, be up this much or down this much. And if it falls within that variance, it's working exactly like it should. And the bigger thing that I think about is even when the market goes down, unless you need your money right there, nothing significant has happened. It's when you take action and sell is where you lock in those losses. Absolutely. And, you know, it also surprises me when I talk to people how they really, they measure returns, how they measure risk. And what I mean by that is they don't. I mean, quite often uh, an investor may say to me, well, how is the portfolio that you're suggesting performed over the past five or 10 years when Delbar, which is an organization that really does nothing other than uh, investor research, will basically tell you that the average investor tinkers with their portfolio about once every three years. So the average investor keeps their shoes longer than they keep their portfolio intact. And what happens for the average investor is the risk that they've taken on board in their portfolio, they were never able to measure it before they invested. So all of a sudden, when they experience volatility, it scares them. So it's important for investors to understand, because you can do this scientifically, you can measure the amount of risk that your portfolio has, and it has a risk number. And the higher that risk number is, the greater return you'll make in a a good year but also the, the, the greater volatility you will experience during tough times. So it's really important for your listeners to understand what their risk number is and to either talk to their current financial advisor, or I'm sure you offer an analysis where they can actually determine what the risk number is and make it an adjustment if necessary. Have you ever wanted to learn more about the academic approach to investing and saving and planning for retirement that Ryan talks about here on The Pilot's Advisor? Well, if so, go visit pilotsadvisor.com, pilotsadvisor.com. You can watch a quick webinar on the academic approach to investing. It'll show you how not to speculate and gamble with your money. It's all based on Nobel Prize winning research. It only takes about 10 minutes to get through the video and watch it. going to be worth your time, I promise you. Go check it out right now, pilotsadvisor.com. It's a webinar that covers that academic approach to investing, pilotsadvisor.com. All right, back to the show. You know, we talk about a risk number or your, your risk tolerance. And another way to look at that is how much exposure you have to equities versus fixed income. And all that kind of plays into what kind of asset allocation um, that you're going to have. But what I wanted to go back to is you mentioned how the study of Dow Bar and what the average investor takes home, but you said they tinker with their investments every two to three years. And it's not just tinkering. They actually sell everything and go somewhere else. So they never really get to be a true long-term investor and let the, the portfolio that they built within the market work. You, you know? know, and, and it's, not, it's not even selling out of the entire portfolio. 
But Delbar, again, has produced studies where they said, and this is going to surprise your listeners, so really, you know, listen pretty clearly here. You know, they said the average investor does not even earn the same return of the investment that they are invested in. And how can that be? We're basically saying that you're not earning the return that the stock or mutual fund is, is earning. And the reason why is because the stock or fund is disciplined where the average investor is not. Exactly. Very, very important. And I know we, you know, we try to educate, educate our clients as much as we can, but you know, it goes back to don't stock pick, don't market time. And you can say the third one, go ahead. What is that third one? Don't track record invest. Don't track record invest. I like that. I wanted, I wanted the pilot to take charge of the flight. (laughs) See, I try to, I try to slow things down for, for our pilot listeners. You know, I know Lee here is a mentor of mine and has taught me a lot in the industry and you know, he's, he's, he's been around for a few years sold that he couldn't even uh, currently legally within the FAA guidelines pilot an airplane anymore because he's too old. Leo, what are you like, 24? You know, that doesn't sound very complimentary. I'm actually, I'm actually 64, but anybody who knows me or anybody who even wants to Google my image will say, man, that guy looks good. <laughs> he, can, he can definitely talk, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I want to give your listeners an example. And I think you being a pilot, um, having instruments that kind of point you in the right direction, hopefully, and myself being a boater, I think anybody out there who's a pilot or a boater will be able to kind of relate to this. You know, quite often, I think investors would say, well, you know, I didn't really sell everything. I just kind of did some research and I made some changes. And I, I refer to those changes as tinkering. And I want to just kind of bring everybody back to what I call a compass heading, you know, a pilot or, or a boater such as myself. You know, the compass heading or a compass has 360 degrees. Each degree you could think of as kind of a road pointing you in a little bit of a different direction. Well, you know, if you're trying to go somewhere and your heading, let's say, is 350 degrees, and maybe throughout your course, you just really don't pay attention, you're having fun, you're having a beer, this is if we're drinking, you're not having a beer if you're flying, and all of a sudden you, <laughs> you look at that. Hopefully, hopefully not. Now, again, maybe they didn't investigate that uh, wing fire. That could be a whole other cause. But anyway, um, let's assume when you started off, you were heading 350 degrees on your compass heading and you kind of were back and you were, you know, drinking and you were laughing and talking to the people in the boat with you. And all of a sudden you looked at the compass heading and you were no longer pointed at 350 degrees. You were pointed at 345 degrees. Now, that's only a five degree compass heading adjustment. And you may say, no big deal. Well, the truth is, you know, that five degrees, depending on where you are heading, can actually have you miss an entire island. You know, and I think it's the same thing with a portfolio. You may say to me, or maybe investors have said to you, well, I didn't really make a lot of changes. I just kind of tinkered with some things. Well, you don't need to tinker with a lot of your portfolio, honestly, to screw up your returns. Well, that's absolutely true and actually have your whole portfolio blow up. And uh, I think the boat analogy will work very, very well for our pilot listeners because it definitely makes sense. You know, you get a little bit off heading or altitude and it, it can create some uh, very big turmoil for your life. And, and, you know, the thing that I find the most concerning is when you turn on the TV, whether it's Fox Business or, you know, uh, MSNBC, there, there's so much bad information out there that, that listeners are taking to tinker with their portfolio. And I don't look at that stuff. They're there to sell ratings and sell, you know, if you're talking about money magazines, sell magazines because they get paid for that advertising to induce that fear. That's not good academics for investing, is it? I don't think it's any academics. 
I think the truth is, um, but you know, what you're looking at is you're looking at a glorified infomercial. You know, people think when they tune into any one of these TV shows, you know, they're actually getting, you know, academic information. They're getting, you know, straight unbiased information. And the truth is they're not. I mean, you know, those whole programs are designed to do just a couple very interesting things. Number one, to get people to simply tune in. And the more people that tune in and watch a TV show, the higher they can charge for their advertising ratings. So people need to be very, very careful where they're getting their information from. And then is that information that they're getting accurate? And more importantly, is it really appropriate for their personal situation? Well, and nor is it ever teaching you anything academically about the process of investing or following the rules with investing. I mean, it's all simply, you know, telling you what's going on, trying to induce fear now to make you make a bad decision with your portfolio. Well, hey there. We hope you're enjoying listening to The Pilot's Advisor today. Just wanted to take a quick moment from the show to remind you that if you have any questions ever about what Ryan talks about on the program, need any assistance with your financial planning, need some guidance to get to and through retirement, or whatever financial questions might be on your mind, don't ever hesitate to reach out. The simple way to get in touch with Ryan is to pick up the phone and call or text 843-475-3038. Again, that's 843-475-3038. You can also find Ryan online at FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. And as always, we put contact information to get in touch with Ryan in the description or the show notes section of the program. So just check it out on whatever app you're using, and it's easy to get in touch with Ryan. All right, now back to the show. Well, you know, it's also interesting, and it goes back to what you and I've said before, you have to have a philosophy first about returns. Where oh, do you I, I love this when you talk about your investment philosophy and you talk about showing up on which day, whether you're at church, right? go, go for, yeah, go for yeah. that. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, it's, it's, it's important to have a philosophy because if you don't have a philosophy, what you believe, you're always looking for the next shiny object, the next person just to be a little more right than the person is today. So the problem is you have to say to yourself, day one when you invest, is the market predictable or is it random? And why is that so critical? Because if you embrace the fact that the market is random, then you're going to shut off all the TV shows you're watching about investing. You're going to shut off all the newsletters, all the, all the subscriptions to the journals you're getting, because all of those come from one place. They believe they know tomorrow's headlines today. Now, we, and I'm sure you're on my side, we've spent hours talking about this, we believe the market is random. And since it's random, all of those people that are giving me predictions mean nothing because it's not predictable. And that's why, again, we embrace incredible diversification because nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, over the next five years. But the long-term trajectory of the market is what? Up. Absolutely. And it's always been up if you spread it out. And that's why you need to be a long-term investor. However, I think it's very important to point out on our show here that that Mr. Hyder and I both have a very similar investment philosophy as far as how to be an advisor, how to have exposure to the markets. Lee, why is it that so many other advisors out there feel like they can predict the market and they tell their clients they can predict the market. And rather than teaching their clients about what they're doing within their portfolio, they say, hey, give me your money and uh, just trust me. Well, number one, I think it really goes to a core philosophy. And what I mean by that is this. 
you know, a chiropractor will not recommend for you to go see an orthopedic surgeon on the first visit. He's always going to want to put you through a series of maybe five or six visits before he surrenders to a physical therapist. A uh, orthopedic surgeon is not going to send you to a chiropractor on your first visit. He's going to maybe recommend therapy and then eventually wheel you into the OR. So number one, most of the advisors honestly have come through the schooling that they believe the research and, and, and all the good advice that, that their sales managers tell them to sell when they go to work every day. And that's kind of what they do. It's what they do. It's what they know. And a lot of time that's selling some sort of a product or selling some sort of, you know, well, it's basically some sort of commission. You know, they're trying to sell something to get a commission, which might not necessarily be in that individual client's best interest. And that's probably the difference between uh, being a fiduciary. Yeah, but, uh, but I will also say that I don't think any, any financial advisor ever goes into this to ever hurt a client or give anybody bad advice. I just think, to be honest with you, a lot of financial advisors are what I refer to as Switzerland. They don't really stand for anything. You know, they'll, they'll let you sell whatever you want to sell. They'll let you buy whatever you want to buy, even if they think it's really not in your best interest. Now, they may tell you that they don't think it's in your best interest, but sadly, many of them will execute the deal. In my opinion, that if somebody wants to do something in my world that I honestly do not believe is appropriate, I would rather them close their account and take it down the road than to be part of some kind of financial transaction that I do not believe or embrace. How would you handle this situation? Pilots obviously are up in the cockpit and eventually they, you know, the conversation will lead to finances, investing. And so my question to you is, you know, when pilots are continuing to talk about their finances and of course one guy's like, whoa, I got, you know, this much return this year or I bought this stock, you know, I bought Apple or FedEx or Delta or whatever it was at this and now it's at this and I've made all this money. Well, it causes people to want to make changes because they, they hear the noise and they, they might get uh, pushed away from their investment philosophy. How would you handle that? What do you think about that? Well, a couple things. Number one, one of the things that I've said in one of my eight books, isn't that a terrible self-serving? Well, you're, you're pretty book? old. I mean, would you write one book every 10 years or something like that? Uh, very funny. Hey, hey, anyway, speaking about, you know, what, what, what was your question again? My memory is so bad being a 64-year-old guy. <laughs> well, you that, always what? have something to say. That's how I know I can ask any question. Yeah. Okay. So what was that question? And I want to be sure that I just, I don't, I don't want to miss it exactly. Tell me what you want me to answer again. Well, pilots, in the, once they're flying, they're always up in the cockpit talking about, you know, how many kids do you have? Where are you from? Where do you live? What was your flying background? I, you- I got it. I got it. See, all old people need is somebody to point them in the right direction and then they can get back on track again. Well, he- here's really what it boils down to. Number one, there's always a reason why somebody happens to outperform or underperform a portfolio. So the question is really not, you know, that your buddy's portfolio outperformed yours, therefore he's got a better philosophy or a better financial advisor. The real question is why? And that's the question that people don't ask. You can achieve almost any return you want if you're willing to maybe take that risk that you have to take. But sadly, quite often, most of the time when people outperform somebody else's portfolio, it's kind of really due to one or two reasons I find. Number one, and this is going to be a hard one for people to accept, luck. They just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And I certainly don't want to build a portfolio based on luck. Or knowingly or unknowingly, they simply happen to have more equity at that particular time, which again means they're taking on more risk. So it's important not simply to chase somebody who happens to have a better return than you, but really kind of dissect why did they have a better return than maybe your portfolio? Because when you understand that, 
you may not be willing to take that risk to achieve the return that they may have achieved. Well, and you got to really look at specific periods of time and make sure you're comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges. I mean, if you have somebody that has 80% exposure to equities and another person has 50% exposure to equities in a bullish market, I mean, there's going to be a drastic difference in returns. Absolutely. And, and, and conversely, you know, a more conservative investor in downtimes should probably lose a little bit less. But what, you know, and I think that's a big reason why a lot of advisors won't work with an individual unless they, they manage all their assets is because you're going to be constantly playing this cat and mouse game between this portfolio or that portfolio when the ultimate goal is to build a portfolio that's going to last you know, over the long term as a long-term investor and that's personalized for that individual. This, this may sound crazy to some of your listeners, but you know, I, don't, I don't necessarily even think it's healthy to always have the highest return because again, I think that's indicative of you're probably taking some risks that you're really very much unaware of. So, you know, I, I don't think you always want to be shooting for the grandstand with that, you know, home run in the ninth inning. You know, I think it's nice to get on base and, you know, get those doubles and an occasional triple. I think you'll sleep better at night. I absolutely agree. And I think that's a great note to end the show on. I try to be uh, very respectable to my listeners and keep it under 30 minutes, but I thought it was a great conversation today, Lee. I appreciate you having, having you on the show and I hope we can do it more often. I'm almost looking forward to it. You've been listening to The Pilot's Advisor, featuring Ryan Fleming, a financial advisor at Fleming Financial Group, serving clients worldwide, but based out of Charleston, South Carolina. If you have any questions for Ryan on what we've talked about on today's show, maybe a future topic idea, or want to talk more about getting a complimentary review of your financial plan, here's the best ways to get in touch. You can go online to the website, FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. You can also email Ryan. It's simply ryan at flemingfg.com. Or you can call or text to get in touch. 843-475-3038 is the number. That's 843-475-3038. Thanks for listening to The Pilot's Advisor. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, in many more locations. So whatever app you like to use, search for the Pilots Advisor podcast today and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.